there are a lot of people in their suffering and in their sadness and their brokenheartedness. Um, we're always looking for Christ to come and heal. And uh, sometimes they look for that, that Christ within us that, that can uh, relate to their pain, their loss, their suffering. Um, we all suffer. Uh, we all experience loss. We all have moments where we think that life is never going to move forward. Um, but Christ comes and tells us about uh, redemption and salvation and, and healing. And last week we started the healing stories today again, the fever that leaves uh, Peter's mother-in-law, the, the others who are brought to the house to be cured. All of them bringing us a great hope, a great story that our suffering also brings healing and redemption to others. That our, that our entering into the suffering of Christ brings redemption to ours. In the second reading today from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says, you know, I have an obligation to preach all that. We have an obligation to, to preach God's healing uh, hand when it's in our lives, how God helped us through our sorrows, God helped us through, through our suffering. And he, and he goes on and he says, um, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this gospel um, so as, as though I, um, as a weak person, and I'm becoming all things to all people so that someone who hears me may be redeemed, may be saved, and have a share in, in God's healing, God's redemption as well. Sometimes we just give up on that. Sometimes we, we quit too early uh, when we are called to suffer, when we are called to experience loss, we're called to experience deep pain or darkness in our lives. And, and those lines just jump out at me this week. Uh, I've been spending my um, week with this, of course, uh, as you know, is, is Black History Month. And so I've been spending a lot of time reading about some of the modern uh, black saints or those who are uh, venerable, those who are, are on that cusp of becoming saints uh, of God. Many here in the United States, and many of the, if you, you look into some of the history of, of, this, uh, this, of their work, their, saint, their sainthood, their cause, that it's there. And one of the person that really interests me this week, and you'll see it in your, I think it's on Friday feed, it might be in the bulletin, it was uh, Josephine Bakita. Um, Josephine uh, was, um, was born in the Sudan in 1869. And she was, her, her birth was good. She was, she was in a good family. Her uncle was the chief of the, of the village, uh, and she had brothers and sisters. They lived a good life. Um, somewhere along the line, uh, slave traders started to step into their community. She had two sisters who were kidnapped years uh, before uh, her own kidnapping, uh, and, but she continued to be a person of hope, a person of, of compassion, a person who, who um, fought for um, the privilege of, of being free, of being, um, being a servant. She wasn't a Christian. About seven or eight years old, she was kidnapped by the slave traders, and, and over the course of her life, she was so, uh, sold about six times. Um, she couldn't remember her name. She had been through such trauma with this whole kidnapping that she couldn't remember her birth name, so people named her Bakita, which means fortunate or lucky uh, in, in, 
in Sudanese. So she got that name, and, 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 and that's what they started to call her. She was purchased by someone to become a maid for the family. Um, she was doing well. She offended one of the sons. Um, it, he didn't like that, so he, he beat her, uh, kicked her, in fact. He kicked her so hard that um, she ended up on, a, on her bed, a straw bed, uh, for a month uh, recuperating. Um, they sold her. And uh, again, it continued. The the, just the, um, the abuse continued. Her fourth owner was a um, Turkish general, and she lived in his house. But his, his uh, mother-in-law was not too kind to her. Um, it was. Uh, she says she quote the quote for her. She says that during all the years I stayed in that house, I do not recall a day that passed without some wound or another. In fact, it was at that house where someone decided that they wanted to draw on her, and they used a razor blade to do it. 114 uh, cuts uh, that were closed by salt, that she carried those scars the rest of her life, um, and um, permanent scarring, and again, sold. The fifth time she was sold, she was uh, sold to an Italian court official, who was rather kind to her. He, he was very kind to her, never punished her, but he was going someplace and, went, and was unloading his property. She was property. He sold her again uh, for that sixth time to a, a family, an Italian family, and uh, it was through them where she's first exposed to Christianity, Catholicism in particular, and for the very first time. And she finds it very um, fascinating she starts to listen, and she starts to learn, and she starts to, to hear more about Christianity. And it was during that time, the family was going to move on, and they, were going to, they wanted her to go with them, but she really wanted to stay in Italy. And so uh, she petitioned the court, and the court found out, this is, after all these years of being uh, enslaved and sold and, and abused and beaten, they found out that the British, who once occupied Sudan, had outlawed slavery years before she was born. She was never really ever eligible to be a slave, ever. She was not uh, eligible to, to be sold into, into this slavery. But she stays. She finds her way to the, the uh, convent of the Kenosian sisters, and she spends 42 years there doing various jobs, very well known for her compassion uh, in the community and care that she gave to the, to the poor. It was there that she uh, received her First Holy Communion, and uh, she was baptized, she was confirmed, received First Communion from the local cardinal, who later becomes Pope Pius X. So um, he, she impressed him so much. So um, one time, uh, she, and she died February the 8th. That's why I'm reading her this week. She died February the 8th, 1947. Uh, one time she was asked by someone, if you're ever to meet your captors again, what would you do? And this is what she said. If I were to meet the people who kidnapped me and even those who tortured me, I would kneel and kiss their hands. For if all these things didn't happen, I would not have the privilege of becoming a Christian or a religious sister. John Paul II canonized her in the year 2000. And I tell you that story because she, she never gave up. She, did, she, didn't, she, just kept, there was, she knew there was a new purpose, and through her own suffering, uh, she was redeemed. 
And her legacy, I think, really says to us that transformation is always possible when we are suffering. We can always change through our suffering uh, for the better. And her story of deliverance from physical slavery symbolizes to all of us who are looking for meaning in our own lives of suffering an inspiration for our own deliverance from spiritual slavery. So this week, as we looked for healing, let us remember those whose, whose suffering have given us an example of, of faith, of hope, and of charity.